Welcome to Geeks and Jacks Podcast. Welcome everyone to a, another bonus episode of Geeks and Jacks. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope you listeners are enjoying the last few bits of summer as we venture into the middle of August, or at least close to it, recording August 10th, 2020. The year of hell, I guess you could say, right? Some people, it could be. But, why not do an episode, another bonus episode before getting back to full force with another season coming soon. Looking for around the end of August, or at least the first week of September. Talk video games, film, TV, sports, whatever's on my mind. There's definitely some stuff I do want to talk about, you know. Things like Xbox and backwards compatibility, Hollywood curses, whether they're true or not, the pandering of politics and sports, and $30 to rent a movie. This ain't Blockbuster. (laughs) Anyway, um, I guess I'll start off with some gaming-related stuff. And beginning with the Xbox Series X. So there hasn't been any price announcements yet for both Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5. But one of the things that is noticed uh, online is people wanting backwards compatibility. And it's something that hasn't really been noticeable over the last seven years or so, seven, eight years, and Microsoft is trying to showcase it by getting the original Xbox, the 360, and the Xbox One, have them all be compatible with Series X. Now, that's now on paper, it's not a bad idea, and it's kind of cute to see three systems over the last 20 years get put onto the new generation of hardware. But I don't see it fully working to the extent of what Microsoft hopes for because backwards compatibility with Xbox has always been an issue. It's never been 100%. When the 360 came about in 2005... Add a couple hundred titles for the original Xbox that could be played on there. But, within a couple years, they stopped. And I believe it was just over 400 titles that could be played on the 360. Not even half the library. And even with the ones that worked, there were a number of them that suffered from... Uh, graphical issues, uh, audio issues, frame rate. So it wasn't exactly a great, a great thing to have. I can attest to that a little bit. Uh, Ten years ago, I'm thinking Metal Gear Solid 2 will work on a Xbox 360. Turns out I was wrong, but thankfully, I was able to trade it in and get. 
different game. That's how I actually wound up getting the Simpsons game for the 360. That game is not easy to find. Especially if you can find it on like any of the other systems, like PS3, PS2. And it goes for like $20, $30. But I digress. Yeah, a number of games, you still have to have an original Xbox. And the same thing will apply to any games for the 360. Because if there's one that isn't for the Xbox One, you're going to have to go out of your way to get a 360. Now, I hear some small things here and there, like small enhancements graphically for when playing a game on an Xbox One. Okay, that's nice and all, but is it enough to entice me to get an Xbox One? Not really. At least, in my opinion, not really. And I don't think it's... To me, it's not a good incentive to get an, to get an Xbox Series X over... Uh, in Xbox One, and I don't know, it's just, I mean, backwards compatibility has been kind of flaky over the last 15 years or so. Not just Xbox, but also the um, PlayStation 3. I mean, when you play PS3, it also has the ability to play the original PlayStation, and some of the early models, I think like the very first model, uh, could do PlayStation 2. Now, PlayStation 1, some of it works great, some of it doesn't, and it's one of those, I think, you have to really look at it from a case-by-case basis for what games will work on it, what won't, or what ones will have issues. The same issues with what the Xbox has with the 360. You know, audio issues, mainly, in my experience, Eh, some animation stuff in some of the graphics. Uh, sometimes the game's not loading properly. Uh, it's just not a not a great experience. I mean, I, I mean, some stuff will work for sure, absolutely, but it, you're not you're not guaranteed it will work a hundred percent all the time. That's all I'll really say on on that for um, for that. It's just you gotta sell. You gotta sell me games. Just give me a reason to get an Xbox Series X. It's same thing for PlayStation Five. Give me a reason, because five hundred dollars potentially—that's what I'm going to guess the price will be. That's going to be pretty high, but I don't think it'll be a huge surprise if it's around that price. Maybe four hundred. I don't know. But with games starting to go to seventy bucks a game. It's a little hard to pull the trigger on it. And $70 for for new games, I mean, it's not new. My family's experienced it. You know, right around when the uh, Sega Genesis and Super NES were, were the competing systems. There were games that went for $70. Some went a little higher. I mean, it's not, it's kind of been a long time since we've seen that kind of pricing. Since, I think, the N64, those games cost around like 70, 80 bucks. I mean, you were able to get some discounts, and but they were still pretty pricey compared to getting like a Greatest Hits game on the uh, original PlayStation. You could get like a Greatest Hits game for like 20 bucks. 
I believe it was like $40, $35 for uh, an N64 Greatest Hits package. The, the, the Player's Choice stuff. Eh. I don't know. I mean, I just say wait for maybe... Unless you really want the games that are coming out, I'd say just wait. Yeah, wait for like a discount, you know. And probably next year when the next Black Friday that occurs... Uh, Maybe the prices will be a little softer. I don't know. I don't think there's much else really to discuss for for games. I mean, there's a few things here and there. I mean, new some new stuff coming about and some remasters for games like Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater 1 and 2. That's definitely a game I would love to try again because I love the original Tony Hawk on the PlayStation. Played a lot of it, you know, in the 2000s. Just fun skateboarding. It's a time capsule of the late 90s. With with the soundtrack, the graphics, the tricks, everything. It just, it was, it was crazy extreme sports but done so well. And I've never really played much of the series. I mean, I've played a tiny bit of the second game on PlayStation. Uh, the Underground games on uh, PS2. And that's about it. That's actually one of the few series I kind of wish I played a little more of. Just unfortunate. <laughs> but I do want to try it out. And also... Also... Um, there's been more stuff coming about for the new Crash Bandicoot game. It's about time. Actually, it would actually be nice to play as multiple characters. It's something that hasn't been done since Twin Sanity, I want to say. Where you got to play as multiple characters. You get to play as Dr. Neocortex again in It's About Time. But you also get to play as Dingo Dial. So you get to play another bad guy, per se. Although, listening to the reveal of it, <laughs> Dingo Dial gives up being a bad guy to open a restaurant, and restaurant burns down. Now he's going to get his revenge on the people that destroyed his business. <laughs> uh, I'm actually pretty. Ex- I'm actually going to be very excited, I mean, to play a Crash Bandicoot game, a brand new one. Uh, as an adult, because those, I mean, Crash Bandicoot was like one of the very first games I played for the original PlayStation, and, and I hope to continue playing more if they keep making more. And while that's cool and all for gaming, when it comes to sports, however, I'm tired of all the pandering that is going on, especially in the NBA when it comes to politics. So, the NBA season came back uh, almost a couple weeks ago, and it's one of those things that will people come back to watch, and the initial wow factor was there, but it's declined a little bit over the last two weeks. And there is that question of, is the politics causing the reason for the NBA ratings to decline? I'm going to say yes. Because 
it's shoved in your face constantly and the ESPN commercials try to shove that shove that political stuff down your throat you know, by showing these images that of all this black lives matter stuff like that's not a way to get your audience there's a reason why ESPN stopped doing SC6 a couple years ago the political stuff is not what people want to watch. They want to watch sports highlights. They want to watch what these athletes do. And from the way it looks like, it's kind of backfiring. Although the ratings were kind of declining this season prior to the pandemic, it's not bringing back old repeat viewers, and it's not bringing in new viewers either. Because not everyone is interested in seeing Black Lives Matter painted on the court. They're not interested in this social justice stuff on the jerseys of these players. They're not interested in seeing victims' names. They'd want to escape from all that stuff. That's why sports is something people want to watch carefree for a couple hours. And I think Charles Barkley said it best when he said that the NBA, he's saying it a month ago that it's becoming a circus and it's becoming too political. I mean, he's one of the most outspoken guys as far as the NBA is concerned. I mean, he he wants to see just people playing basketball, not trying to play the game and also try and spread a message that honestly has no effect no, it's it's not, something that's not going to be solved I mean what's kneeling going to solve it's going to solve nothing what does putting victims names and social justice stuff on your jersey going to solve nothing and I have a theory as to what I feel like there's going to be a cycle and this is my theory there will be something even worse long after all this stuff involving George Floyd is forgotten. People are going to forget in probably a year or so. Then four or five years later, some bad incident will happen. Rinse and repeat. Rioters, protesters, everybody in between getting involved. It feels like it's going to be something that will happen every five, six years or so. I mean... I mean, should should we make a point to have our voices be heard? Sure, I guess. But the, the, all this pandering that the NBA is doing, I mean, it's not working. And Adam Silver is too gutless and spineless to enforce guidelines to tell these guys, yeah, we can be vocal, but... We have to do it in a way that doesn't anger everyone. Because if you stay silent, you're going to get complained at. If you say something, you're going to get complained at. There's no win-win situation. There's no way to be mindful of what's going on in current events. But you also have to understand that people want to be entertained and see a distraction. And Silver... I feel like Silver doesn't want to intervene because he's afraid of potential consequences of what players may say after he 
if he were to enforce like a guideline or something. And if I'm being honest, Silver hasn't really done much over the last six years when it comes to dealing with racism and all that. The only thing I could think of is when Donald Sterling was forcibly removed as the owner of the uh, L.A. Clippers. And it's worked in favor of the Clippers because they've been a more viable contender as as a whole. Well, it helps a little bit also when you have Doc Rivers as your coach. Fantastic coach, though he hasn't done much since winning the championship in 2008 when he was the coach of the Boston Celtics. But he's still a good coach. Uh, Steve Ballmer taking over. The team looks a lot healthier. Similar in a way with what uh, Paul Allen did with the Portland Trailblazers. You know, had a team that did so well, especially within those first couple of years. By the time 1990 rolled along, they were in the finals that year, losing to the Detroit Pistons, of course. Two years later, back in the finals, lose to Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And Allen was also responsible for saving Seattle football, keeping the Seahawks in Seattle, and look where that's been. They've been a lot more successful over the last 20 years than they've had at any point in their run since 1976. But getting back to Silver, um, one of the things that always bothered me is that he doesn't try to intervene or anything. And one of the most notable things that happened five years ago was James Dolan berating a fan who a fan that was tired of the constant losing that the New York Knicks had and just calling the fan an alcoholic and a bunch of dumb stuff that's like if the late David Stern was still alive or still involved in being the commissioner David Stern would have would have berated well not berated would have punished Dolan because the Knicks are a team that's valued at a few billion. And they're putting in a $100 quality effort. This place in Madison Square Garden sells out. And to put on a performance that is very putrid, especially over the last seven years. I mean, what are the... I mean, what do the fans expect? a winning team every time too many coaching changes too many player changes too much change to everything too much and Silver don't want to intervene because he's afraid of ratings tanking now while I will say the ratings definitely have been better over the last 10 plus years I don't think a ratings drop is the least of the worries I think the least I think the big worry is what will happen excuse me what will happen if the Knicks keep being terrible there is no excuse to punish Dolan he, there, there was no and, the, and he's done it a few times and still nothing is done to stop his behavior because Dolan is thin skinned and doesn't want to hear any criticism you run the biggest name in co- 
not college. You run the biggest name in in basketball. People expect high quality, and the last time there was high quality for the Knicks was probably the late '90s, and they were a big name team in the '90s. Two finals appearances. I mean, that's 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 more than enough, especially in a decade that was overridden by the Chicago Bulls. You would hope the hiring of Tom Thibodeau will help ease pain for Knicks fans, especially considering how much he revived the uh, Chicago Bulls. That I mean, they came close, I think, in 2009 or 2010, I forget. But regardless, you know, Silver's not intervening is not helping. And at some point, Silver will have to look at this and be like, what can we do to to change all this? I think getting rid of all the political stuff, I, I feel like getting rid of all the political stuff would would make people feel a lot better. I think all this kneeling would would have to be eradicated. You know, people want to see games, not not social justice movements. I think the social justice jersey idea is, was stupid. That to me was one of the worst ideas they could have. And I mean, unless unless something changes, I mean, the ratings I think are going to keep going down. I, I don't know. With the playoffs are looming very soon. I mean, it's going to be ESPN and TNT with the with the coverage and. So far, it's been kind of a disaster. Now, I do think more people will tune in for the playoffs, but how much that will carry over, that's another question in itself. I don't see it holding on, and I see TNT and ESPN being a little panicky when it, if things go south. Now, if I'm Major League Baseball, I'd be panicking quite a bit, and I don't think it has anything to do with well, I think some of it, actually. Some of it probably does have to do with Black Lives Matter. But, to be honest, that was, what, opening day? And I really haven't seen much for political statements regarding the uh, regarding the league. Uh, the only thing I could think of is what the Boston Red Sox are doing now with, with a, having a BLM thing in Fenway Park. And I think that's their way of trying to make themselves look less hideous because of stuff that has been said about their fans. Now, Boston fans, I mean, no different than any uh, fan base in New York, Philadelphia, Miami, L.A., Chicago. They're going to be crazy fans. Loyalists. And (laughs) the one thing you probably will expect is insults and bad things thrown at you. But with the Red Sox, it's pretty bad when you have one of your own say, yeah, there were bad stuff that was happening. And other people being like, I don't want to play for the Red Sox because of those fans. So the so Tory Hunter, who was a good player for a long time, especially with the Twins, he had a no trade clause. This was and this was like two months ago, I believe, if not maybe a little earlier. Uh, he had a no trade clause that 
he could be traded anywhere but Boston because of the way the fans were. And the Red Sox in question that that believed what Hunter was saying, Kevin Euclid. And the stories that he said about fans berating some of their some of their own players, the guys that they cheer for. And the last particular incident I can think of for anything that was bad probably three years ago with um, Adam Jones of the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, great player, but the fans were getting restless in Fenway. Remember, and 2017 was kind of a year that just seemed like there was always turmoil between the Baltimore Orioles and the Boston Red Sox. Headhunting, people getting hits. I believe Machado spiked Dustin Pedroia that year, and Pedroia hasn't been the same since. I mean, as far as, as far as baseball players go. Just ugly, ugly, ugly. And beyond just the political stuff, I think most of it has to do with the pandemic. I think the reason to be a little panicky for MLB and all that is, will they get the entire season going? That's probably why I think the ratings haven't exactly been good. I don't think it's so much the political aspect of it, although I really haven't seen much over the last couple weeks. When you look at Miami, the Miami Marlins having 21 people testing positive for the coronavirus, 18 players and I believe three coaches, that leaves you in a worry on whether or not the MLB season can continue. And the season's still continuing, but what happens if there's something big like what happened with the Marlins? There was question on whether the Philadelphia Phillies, whether or not that a few of them got positive, and a few did, but they were false positives, so nothing bad happened. Just a side of caution to make sure that they didn't get anything from the Marlins or anything. And I believe there were a few players for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals that um, tested positive, and they didn't play at all this past weekend. I think what Rob Manfred is looking for is making sure that it's not spreading that quickly and also that it's not affecting half a roster. <sighs> so, I mean, this has got to be like one of the worst years a commissioner has ever had for any sport. That says a lot because for as bad as Bud Selig was he didn't have to deal with a major scandal like the electronic sign stealing. I mean, sure, steroids was pretty bad, and it still is, but sign stealing, the electronic sign stealing and all that, I mean, it's... I think it'll leave an ugly mark on Manfred's uh, resume whenever he's finished. And I do question his job security a little bit, too. I question whether he'll survive beyond 2020 because of all the stuff that happened with the Astros back in October the the revelations in the last few years of them cheating the fact that none of the players got punished and that other players for throwing at 
the Astro players are getting suspended. It's just, it's just ugly, ugly, ugly. And the way he's handled the pandemic and the fighting with the players' union and all that, it's just, how do you, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big fall from grace. Huge fall. And, I mean, there's been other people that, like Joe West, for example. Here's how an umpire gets recognized. When they do a lot of negative things on the field and they get recognized for their notoriety. And West is one of the most notorious umpires in all of baseball. And saying that not every deaf should be related to coronavirus and all that. It's just, I'd be a little worried about what West is saying because it's like, this stuff is real. This stuff can kill you. And depending on the age, I mean, you can be able to recover very quickly or not. And there's been, was I think the numbers at over 140,000 deaths now in the United States. Because people are not willing to wear their masks and not follow orders and all that. I mean, I mean, sure, there are some deaths that I would say, yeah, maybe we shouldn't credit coronavirus for killing them, but, but there's, but you have to for some of them, and and maybe some of these, maybe the virus sped up some of these deaths, unfortunately, and I don't know, maybe it's just attention-seeking, which is what West is always noticeable for, and, you know, it's like guys like him, C.B. Buckner, and uh, uh, Angel Hernandez, and Angel Hernandez keeps having issues with the league because they don't allow him to do, like, huge games and anything like that. Well, when you, when you make blatant missed calls throughout your career, not to mention almost two years since that mismanaged playoff game between the Yankees and the Red Sox where there were four calls made, three of which were overturned. That tells you how bad of an umpire Hernandez is. Very, very bad. But even beyond that, um, I mean, I... I'd be curious to see if MLB even gets their season finished by the time it wraps up at the end of September. Will they even get playoffs going? Um, There there are many teams that have a chance, you know, considering that they expanded it to uh, eight teams per league, I believe. But hopefully you don't see any more of these... uh, uh, virus positives that occur, and especially to the level of what happened with the Marlins. But I don't think we're close to seeing the last of it. But the last thing, along with all this political stuff, is racism. Now, we do have a right to get rid of racism, but there is more to racism than African Americans and all that. And you have stuff like the Jewish community 
and that has become kind of a rising thing lately, especially with what Philadelphia Eagle wide receiver Deshaun Jackson said about a month ago regarding uh, a quote that was falsely said by Adolf Hitler. Now, anytime you hear something about Hitler, unless it has something to do with historical reasons, uh, usually a red flag. I would usually, I would, I would say most of the time it's usually a red flag unless for historical reasons in itself. So, you know, something about Jewish people and all that and just a lot of criticism stemmed from it and it was upsetting for Eagles general manager Howie Roseman and uh, owner Jeffrey Lurie. Lurie, who is also a film producer, and produced movies before buying the Eagles back in 1994, uh, was ready to release a documentary, you know, about some of the stuff involving the Jewish community uh, right around the time of World War II. And speaking of which, uh, we are 70, we have been over 75 years now removed from the horrors of what the Allies uncovered in those concentra- concentration camps that killed millions of men, women, and children. We're talking, you know, even, you know, Jewish people that hid and were ratted out, you know, the death of people like Anne Frank, it's just the, those ovens, it's just truly, truly heartbreaking and very obvious that what Jackson did, was said, was just inexcusable in itself. And there are very few people that are Jewish that play sports. Um, one of the things was Julian Edelman. I didn't know he was. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't know he was uh, Jewish, and I didn't know that Lurie and uh, Roseman were were Jewish. You know, Edelman wanted to take Jackson to uh, a Holocaust museum. You know, there are, there were a few. That you know whether they played in the NFL or not right now, you know they they see this happening and there's and it, and it probably is in other sports as well. It's just probably not as documented as well compared to other types of you know ethnics, racial stuff that occur in these leagues and all that. Now I don't think Jackson's ever done anything that malicious. Maybe maybe he's been fined once or twice. I mean, I know he's a kind of a punk player, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was part of a gang or not. That's something that's up in the air. I think uh, I feel like he might have been fined once or twice for uh, doing something to like the Cowboys or Giants. I I don't know, but nothing that was like suspension wise. And the Eagles. This isn't the first time they've had to deal with a receiver that that acted that bad. The last time they had to do that was, I believe, seven years ago when they had to deal with uh, Riley Cooper. And when he went to a Kenny Chesney concert and he said the N-word at that concert, the unfortunate irony there was that he actually had a productive year and pretty much fell fell apart after that year. <sighs> So I don't think there'll be I don't think there's been any punishments made regarding Jackson, but 
it definitely there probably will be some resentment in the uh, locker room. You know, re- regardless of whether there are Jewish players in the Eagles community or not, or if any opponents that the Eagles face, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little extra oomph in tackling Jackson. Other football stuff is like either there are a number of players that are opting out for the uh, season, and there was like a number of Patriots players on defense that opted out. Some say that they're tanking on purpose to get Trevor Lawrence. Now, the the Patriots don't really have a quarterback. They do have Cam Newton. They do have Brian Hoyer and a couple unimpressive QBs that are going to be third and fourth string. But to say they're going to tank on purpose, I mean, I don't care much for the Pats, and I think there's their alleged cheating does taint their legacy very badly but why why would Bill Belichick want to tank on purpose this guy has been around football for a very long time and in the NFL for I believe 40 plus years this guy coached some of the best defensive players ever you could argue, probably the greatest player ever in Lawrence Taylor. Why do you think the Giants had number one defenses at times? Because of Lawrence Taylor. Or at least in the top five, top ten for a number of years, thanks to Belichick. And not just Taylor, but all these other Giants players. That's always been one of Belichick's main things, defense. And he will probably find some way to play defense. He will find a way to get players to uh, do their job and commit to being a a solid team that will gel together as the year goes on. Now, if I had any concern, it would probably be the offense a little bit. They don't really have any tight ends. Their run game is was a bit mediocre compared to where it was in 2018. And obviously your quarterback situation, you don't know what you're getting out of Cam Newton. Hoyer ain't exactly the greatest player on earth. And that Stidham guy, that guy sucked. But to say they're tanking on purpose, I mean, none of these teams are trying to tank on purpose. Look, there's concerns about the virus, and you know what? It's not a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. But some of these teams will have to scramble to get free agents or guys that that are drafted or young to step up in their roles. And whether that helps them out in the long run for the season or turns into a disaster, I mean, we'll have to wait and see considering there is no preseason games. I don't think they're going to see anything good probably out of it within the first few weeks of the season. There's going to be a lot of rust, and you're not going to get real experience until you play those first snaps in week one and week two. It'll definitely take a while for some of these teams to to get acclimated to it. That's about it, I think, for sports. I mean, the only sport that doesn't seem focused on politics is uh, hockey. Maybe a couple players here and there, but nothing too major. 
So we are nearing the end, moving on to uh, movies, nearing the end of the summer. So that means specific places in the United States are nearing the end of their runs with drive-ins. Pretty much within probably three, four weeks, a number of these movie theaters, a number of these drive-ins will be gone. Shut down for the rest of the year until uh, this upcoming spring. So that leaves moviegoers with worry about potentially what to do if they can't have a drive-in. Well, there's no end in sight for the uh, for the movie theaters on whether they'll reopen or not. And there's some that have, some haven't still. I think my, I think my younger brother said it best to me about are they cleaning after every screening? Are they disinfecting everything? And and he has every right to worry, as do I. I do feel a little nervous about wanting to go to a movie theater again. You know, I've went to close to 50 movies over the last two and a half years. And, I, I mean, up until that, until the pandemic hit... I saw at least six movies in the theater and was planning to see much more. But as movie theaters stay closed, the studios look for um, other ways to get their revenue. And one of these is through video on demand. You know, you get some of these movies that are coming out and you spend... 20 bucks and if it's something you got a group of people together then hey get everybody together get your own food and all that and simply put I mean you're going to have a decent experience for a weekend 20 bucks is a little high though but maybe for an occasion or two it's not a bad price now the thing I question right now is Disney with their live action uh, version of Mulan. Now this was a movie that's supposed to come out back in March, but thanks to the pandemic it got pushed back and now they're basically pulling it out. So there's no chance in the movie hitting theaters. Instead what Disney is doing is putting it on Disney Plus, but it's a $30 buy. Now I'm not sure if that's you keep it for good, or if it's a rental, I'm assuming it's a rental. I mean, that's that's pretty high for a price, and I know the budget was very expensive. I think, if I remember reading correctly, it was $200 million. $200 million. I mean, <clears throat> you think 30 bucks is going to cut it? Especially if you want people to, to to buy it, you have to be subscribed to Disney Plus. Unless people are going to use the free trial for a tiny bit, and then you know, spend the thirty bucks, cancel the trial, and that's it. I mean, why not make it a selling point 
to show people, hey, this is what we got. This is brand new. We haven't had many opportunities to try and get in theaters, so here you go. Here's your opportunity to see what could be one of the hottest movies of 2020. I mean, why not try and use it as part of your promotion? I understand the joys of wanting to go to the movie theaters and trying to recuperate, and studios wanting to recuperate any money that that they spent on making the movie and the marketing and everything in between. But even even for something that isn't necessarily family friendly, family friendly or not, I mean that's it's a lot of money. I mean thirty dollars is is kind of a breaking point. Uh, something with like TV shows, I mean, it's something people will bite at. I mean, because if there's stuff like the bonus features and you get every episode of the sh- of a TV show, sure, it could be worth thirty bucks. A video game could be worth thirty bucks as well. I mean, depending on if it's that's the original price or there's a good discount on it. That's how I've managed to get a number of games. You know, instead of spending sixty, I'm spending thirty bucks, forty bucks, sometimes twenty. I mean, because, you know, but it's a case-by-case basis based on the individual and what they find as good value, bad value, yada, yada, yada. I mean, this could crash and burn for Disney or it gets more people invested in Disney+. Plus. I mean, there's, there's multiple situations that could occur. But even... But even that, I'll end with um, Hollywood Curses. So, this is more so maybe a combo of TV and film a little bit. And this has to do with one of those uh, actors that was on the show Glee. A show I've never watched, nor will I care to watch. Um, One of the actresses uh, sacrificing themselves to save save her uh, four-year-old son. And there's this supposed idea that there's a curse laid on the Glee cast. You know, because they had, there was one that died from a uh, drug overdose. There was one that killed themselves. And now this one uh, was, a, what was her name? I think it was Naya Rivera or something. I thought that was her name. Yeah. Um, sacrificing herself to save her son. You know, and it's uh, very unfortunate. And some, like I said, some are saying there's a curse. And curses have been prevalent in Hollywood over the years. You got stuff like Rebel Without a Cause, all that James Dean stuff that happened. You know, whether that Porsche that he drove was cursed or not. You got, you got instances like, like say, The Crow, which unfortunately for his as well received as it was it still holds on to the notoriety of what happened to um, its lead actor Brandon Lee people saying that there were people that wanted him dead I don't know I don't think that's true in any case I mean there were a couple curses that I was thinking of a little bit regarding um, the Glee thing and um, what I think what I, th- what I thought about were Poltergeist and this unproduced movie called uh, 
Atuk, A-T-U-K. So I'll begin with Atuk because this was a movie that, based on a book that came about in the um, 60s, and there were plans to get it made in like the 80s. It was like, like some of their leading guys they had in mind as the decade went on was like John Belushi, Sam Kinison, John Candy, Chris Farley. Now, if those names all have a connection to it, they're all dead. Uh, Belushi from drug overdose, uh, Kinison car accident, uh, Candy heart attack, and drug overdose for Farley. It, some people say if like if it's red, it's pretty much you're you're going to be killed. I think it's just unfortunate circumstances considering uh, Belushi was Belushi and Farley were pretty much drug addicts, despite the success they've had in movies and television. Uh, Kinison, you know, car accident. I mean, sometimes it happens, unfortunately. And Candy, well, his weight. I mean, unfortunate that he had had a heart attack, but you know what? He kept getting heavier and heavier by the end of the 80s. Like, you can tell the difference between how he looked in, say, National Lampoon's Vacation and by the time Uncle Buck came out in 89. You could see the difference right away. And even in, even like a few even like a few year span in like between like planes, trains, and automobiles, and uh, uh, Uncle Buck, the note it's much it's much noticeable. But anyway, I digress. I mean, so the movie's never been produced. I don't think it'll ever get made, unless someone's crazy enough to want to make it. I mean, you never know. And the other one, Poltergeist. So Poltergeist was a hit when it came out in uh, 1982. It's one of the few movies that that Steven Spielberg made that that he wrote part of a screenplay of. There's very few movies he 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 wrote, you know, it's and wasn't just a producer or anything, or anything like that or even director for that matter too. Um, big hit in, in 82. Um, now, one of the things that that's talked about is um, whether it, the set was cursed. So it had to do with a scene involving um, like skeletons. I've never seen the full the movie fully. I've seen maybe like part of it, maybe like the beginning, and that's it. But there's a part where one of them is around skeletons and. I guess they were real skeletons and not prop skeletons. So, um, I don't know. That probably freaked a lot of them out. And then, one of the big things was some of the deaths that occurred to some of these actors. Most notably, the two daughters. uh, Dominique Dunn and uh, Heather O'Rourke. So, Dunn played the eldest daughter in Poltergeist. And she was killed by her boyfriend. And obviously, the guy he went to jail for a while. And just domestic dispute, probably domestic abuse. I don't know. But how that guy didn't get fried or anything like that, I don't know. That's just that's just disgusting. 
and O'Rourke, um, she managed to do all three movies, but Poltergeist 3 came out months after she she died. So, from my understanding, um, O'Rourke had like a health issue, and some say it's health misdiagnosis. I don't know, she had like, I think she had like toxin issues with her body, and just, it led to a cardiac arrest, from from what I read, and dying on the operating table as the doctors tried to stop whatever the problem was. I mean, it's unfortunate when when a kid passes away from a health issue. Uh, but I mean, if if the diagnosis was a little more accurate, maybe she'd still be alive. I don't know. Uh, curse? Not really. I think it's just unfortunate for you know what happened to O'Rourke and you know the unfortunate side of what happened to Dunn. Um, this stuff happens. Unfortunately, you you see it where a dispute go, turns deadly, and this is how you wind up on something like, say, Very Scary People or any of those crime shows that you see on like Headline News or A and E or even Oprah's Network <clears throat> for stuff like Twenty Twenty and uh, Dateline. I've seen some other curses that I looked at, you know, just looking at for a brief second, you know, stuff like the Hour Gang, which is the Little Rascals, all the stuff that happened to a number of those guys, you know, it's, I think it's just a product of the era they were in, because the Little Rascals, our gang to be exact, um, came about in the 20s and 30s. They, they were like silent films, and you can be able to find some of them uh, for archive, actually, on on archive.org you can find some of those early uh, short films that they had and there's like stuff like heart attacks deaths murders you know health issues it's just everything in between you know and unfortunately it's a product of the of the eras you know we didn't have all the technology in the world to diagnose some of these issues and to prevent some of these issues that that happened don't know what else really to say I mean but as far as Hollywood curses go no it's I think it's just people looking for for views and all that I think it's just I I would take it with a grain of salt similar to when you hear stuff like death hoaxes like there's only been one instance where I was thinking oh <laughs> yeah right and that was when uh, Paul Walker was killed, the Fast and Furious actor. Like, I didn't think it was real. I thought it was just a joke because I'd seen stuff like like Bill Cosby, Death Hoax, uh, the guy that played Newman on Seinfeld getting a Death Hoax right around that time. So it's like, Paul Walker's dead. I'm thinking, yeah, right. And it's like, oh, damn. Th- that did happen. Oh, damn. But yeah, curses? Pfft, not really. Maybe there might be one or two in Hollywood that actually did happen, but nope. Just my opinion on it. So that should finish up this uh, bonus episode of Geeks and Jocks. I'm pretty excited for to make more episodes in a few weeks and start 
getting back into the fray and do another 20 plus episodes for season 3 the next episode I'm looking to talk about Windows Millennium Edition in 95 as they reach 20th and 25th anniversaries respectively and maybe one or two other things that are occurring at the moment that maybe discuss in a few in the future so with that this has been bonus episode number two of Geeks and Jacks. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear you listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, keep yourself healthy. Take care, everyone.